Kyle, thanks so much for joining us on Speaking of Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, and today I'm joined by my guest, Cindy Jordan, who is the founder and CEO of PixHealth. Thanks so much for being here today, Cindy. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm really excited to talk about this because I think it's so cool that PixHealth is a company completely focused on loneliness. Tell us about the problem of loneliness. You know, post-pandemic or uh, maybe we're not quite post yet, but everyone can now understand the idea of feeling lonely and isolated. Um, but the problem is, is that it's it actually is a very severe chronic condition that people um, experience that has horrible consequences, including, you know, it, it, it shortens lifespan. The New York Times wrote an article about it just very recently. And so... What we at Pix Health believe is that you can't solve loneliness just by buying a puppy or getting on a 10 minute phone call. There has to be a concerted kind of effort to treat loneliness. Um, and that's what we do here. We, we find chronically lonely people and we offer them help. It's interesting because I don't know that I've ever really thought about loneliness as a condition, but you're saying that it definitely is. Great question. I think, well, first of all, loneliness is one is, is, is a, you know, is a disease that, that cuts across all demographics, all age, socioeconomic. Uh, ARP did a huge study before the pandemic and found that that kids between the ages of 14 and 25 are as lonely as six seniors 65 plus, right? So there are spikes, like if you make less than, you know, if you live below the poverty line, then there is a higher percentage of loneliness in that population. But for the most part, it, 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 it's not selective. It can, it can hit anyone. And as you know, Stephanie, being lonely does not mean actually being alone. You can live in a house with 20 people and still be very lonely. Is it something that your people are more susceptible to if they have a mental health condition, another one? I'm not sure about that. The science is pretty young. What you're starting to see and what we see inside of our platform is there's for sure a link between depression and loneliness for sure. However, loneliness is the top three symptom in, in bipolar, depression, anxiety, alcoholism. Um, so loneliness is this condition that we firmly believe here, and again, the science is young, is a predicator for all kinds of mental and behavioral health um, struggles. It's certainly something that's been on everyone's radar more since the pandemic happened, but I feel like maybe, and I could be wrong about this, you run the company, so you tell me, I feel like it's something that maybe people dismiss more now because they feel like, oh, everybody's lonely. It's just, you know, like, oh, I'm just lonely. But you're saying very clearly that it's not just, oh, I'm just lonely. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So it is true. So there's, in my mind, there's a difference between being intermittently lonely. And that's what you, that was the example you just gave. It's like, I feel lonely. I go in and out of it. You know, sometimes I feel isolated and then being chronically lonely. When you are chronically lonely, the body actually has a physical response. You go into fight or flight for a prolonged period of time. The brain starts releasing cortisol. You start being distrustful. Um, you don't think that anyone is can or will help you. And you know this is important in some of the services we provide because we believe 
that if you can move people through chronic loneliness, they're more likely to engage in behavioral health services, wellness programs, uh, you know, self-management. But when you're stuck like that, and you know, you, you know this from other um, other scientific studies, fight or flight is deadly to the body. You cannot maintain that for a long period of time. And so, and that's what loneliness does to people. How do you help people through loneliness? Because like you said just a few minutes ago that you could be in a house with 20 people and you're still lonely. What does it take to, to have that level of fulfillment for people to not feel lonely? Yeah. So what we humbly believe is that first you have to find, you have to find people when, when loneliness is affecting their health. Right. And so we, we partner with health insurance plans. We partner with employers and we actually help them identify the lonely people in their populations. Secondly, you have, there's a lot of stigma associated with loneliness, right? Like I, I, I was just thinking about this the other day, like I married and I have children in the whole nine yards, but I sometimes feel lonely and who am I going to tell? If I tell my partner, that's, that's, you know, that then the answer that you get back from your partner is, well, what do you mean? I'm right here. Right? Like, so there's a, there's some stigma around saying you're lonely. So the way that we address it is we have um, a, a, a technology platform and it's the main thing about that platform is the bot behind me. His name is Pixar and he is very funny and empathetic and we use a lot of levity and his whole job is to be like a friend that you would meet in a coffee shop, right? He engages you on that level. He never treats you like a disease state or diagnosis. He just wants to know how you are doing, right? Then as we learn about you and, and we start to screen for loneliness and in depression and anxiety, if you are chronically lonely, then we have a whole group. So I call this the peanut butter and chocolate solution. It's tech meets human. We have a whole group of people that we call our Andes. It stands for authentic, nurturing, dependable, your friend, and they will intervene. And the true way to move someone through chronic loneliness is you have to have regular interactions with a human being. And we, we, then we have a lot of self-management they can do that's based in positive psychology to get them to a state where they're open to engaging in some, you know, maybe it's talk therapy, maybe it's um, a wellness program, you know, maybe it's meditation, but until you can move them through loneliness, they can't do any of that stuff. I mean, you were saying before we started recording that you have a very personal experience with this that has driven the mission of Pixel. So share what you'd like about that. Yeah. So my stepdaughter, the whole reason we started the company is that she suffered from bipolar and there was a year and she was an adult where, you know, right kind of in front of our very eyes, although we didn't see it, she had a horrible decline. And that included like overutilizing the ED. And then there was some addiction thrown in there. And then she ended up in an inpatient facility. And when we got through it as a family, I went to her and I said, what, what are we missing? Like, what, what comes first? What comes before you go off your meds? What comes before? And she told me, and I'll never forget it, is like, I have a profound sense of loneliness. And that is when it really hit me like a ton of bricks. Like loneliness is the predicator before that, like in her case, before the wheels went off the bus, right? Um, 
and and very sadly, like she ended up losing her battle with bipolar and passed away actually very recently. And it, it one of the last things she said to any human on the planet in a text message was how lonely she felt. And so it only has reaffirmed for me and for our family and for the people that work here, this is a real thing. And if we inside of healthcare, right, don't start treating it as such, don't start embracing it, don't start having, uh, we need providers to like screen for it and then have a solution that they can offer somebody. You know, if we don't start doing this, it's going to continue to have, you know, devastating effects. It's just so devastating to hear that, you know, especially hearing that you've just lived this experience so, so recently, which is so horrible. And I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. And I just can't even imagine how much that drives you on this mission to help other people not have that same situation. And it seems like it took so long for mental health as a you know, a word and a concept to become something that was accepted. Now you see tons of commercials for all these different providers, but loneliness, I feel like is just starting that, you know, emergence of recognition because we have to get past that fact that it's not just something from the pandemic, but it's an actual real thing that affects people before the pandemic, during, and certainly after, and that needs attention and treatment and care, but it is something that you can help people overcome. You for sure can. It doesn't mean you cure it. Like, I don't, I don't know that I would go that far, but you can help people move through it. And it doesn't mean they won't feel it again, but, but it, there, there is a way to address it. And that, that, that's what, um, it's interesting. Cause I had to go to, and I had this, like, basically I broke my toe. So I go to this orthopedic uh, and I go to the clinic after hours and he's making small talk with me. And he says, you know, what do you, what do you do? And I tell him I have a medical software company. He says, what does that company do? I tell him that we address loneliness and social isolation. And he laughed out loud. And to me, that is literally indicative of the healthcare system and how, how we feel about loneliness. You know, to him, there's no, there's, there's no such thing as addressing loneliness. Like, well, oh, if you're lonely, just pick up the phone. That was sort of like his mentality on it. Like call someone, go, go out and meet a friend. And that is exactly like the dangerous thinking that, uh, around loneliness. And it's the why, it's why people are suffering. It's why our, our youth ages like 14 to 26, they are widely considered the loneliness population, you know? And if you think about, if you think about that and how profound that is, um, you know, do we, if, if, if somebody before the age of 24 is diagnosed with a behavioral mental health, they have a 75% chance of having it for the rest of their lives. And, and if, if we can just get ahead of it by helping those kids, like with loneliness, maybe we can stop them from having depression and bipolar and all the things that um, kind of come from, from that suffering. And so that age group that you're talking about being profoundly impacted by loneliness is the group that is going into college and going into the workforce now. And so what does that mean? How does this manifest itself into the work world? Well, yeah, I mean, look, the work world is never going back to what we knew pre-pandemic, right? So I think we can all agree that a hybrid workforce is probably here to stay. And before the pandemic, 61% of the workforce identified as lonely. 
So if you're an employer and you are not thinking about your lonely and isolated workers, it could potentially be an incredibly expensive problem. Also, you know, when I think about employers and uh, addressing loneliness, like you spend a lot of money on your EAP programs and you offer amazing benefits like, you know, talk therapy, et cetera. But, you know, if you, if you believe what we're saying, which is when, when your workers are lonely, they simply cannot engage in all of those benefits. Like they're, you, you know, you, I, I look at us as the tip of the spear. We have to move them through so that they can participate in all of your programs. Um, and, you know, I, there's some interesting stats. So aside from 61% of the workforce, which we all think is much higher now, after the pandemic, a third of all employed people in the United States have a social determinants of health need, right? And that that's a really hard thing to wrap your brain around. Like you can be employed, but still not have a place to live. Um, you can be employed and still have trouble getting food. And so what, what I always say as we, as we address loneliness, when you shake the tree of loneliness, all these other needs fall out. And, and these are the kind of things that if we are going to remain a hybrid workforce that we have to tackle head on. Not to go off the sidetrack on this, but you were just saying about, you know, social determinants of health and then, you know, having a lower income and all those things and that causing it. It also seems like it would be something that perhaps the wealthy would have an issue with because they, maybe they're lonely for a different reason. Maybe they have people around them doing things for them, but don't have people really invested in them, or maybe it's, you know, they're interested in them for money or some alternative ulterior motive. So it seems like, you know, you do have so many different things that you could think about that would cause loneliness that you don't normally think about. But when you really start going through, oh my gosh, well, it could be this or this or this, because yeah. it's so easy to look at people and say, like, like you said, like, oh, they're working. They seem like they're fine. Oh, they, they, they're driving a Range Rover. They seem like they're fine. You know, it's easy to dismiss this, but it's not something that you should be dismissed. If somebody tells you that they're lonely and if somebody, you know, in a work situation, especially, you know, HR people have to pay attention. Managers have to pay attention. You have to be really aware you know, on a Zoom call, if somebody looks like they're detached, I feel like you have to really pay attention because it does matter. You're clearly telling us how important it is to make sure that people are able to move through the loneliness. I was on the phone today with a, you know, chief of human resources and she was amazing and she runs a very large company. And, 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 and she said to me, and it stuck with me, she goes, my job Sure, we're self-insured, and yes, we we want to decrease utilization, and of course, we want people not to have like you know a lot of um, uh, missed work, etc. She goes, but what I care about most is if I make people the healthiest and the happiest that they can possibly be, that translates to our customers, that translates to our success, and it it it's 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 what's best for them. And then, so we, you know, we obviously were talking about loneliness and she goes, when someone's lonely, there is no way they can be their best self, no way. And even if you just look at it from that perspective, um, yeah, so there's a lot of signs and signals. I'll, you know, so if somebody, this is another thing, a big trend, people are moving, right? I can work from anywhere now, so I don't need to be here where I'm headquartered, I'm moving. A move makes someone three times as likely to feel lonely. People are caregiving. 
caregivers are one of the most at-risk groups of people for loneliness and isolation to have a significant impact on their health, right? So I had, I, I'm, I'm living with my mom because I'm taking care of her. You know, you might not even identify as a caregiver, but you are one, right? So any kind of sort of life event or healthcare transition, maybe you got a new diagnosis of anxiety. These are the times when loneliness has a propensity to actually affect your physical health. And so you think about your workforce. I guarantee you could pull out almost half of them and say, gosh, in the last six to 12 months, all of them have experienced something like this. And so that's exactly what Pix Health is focused on. So you have your really adorable bot behind you and it goes in and you said, try it uses, I assume AI to try to, you know, interact with these people and determine who is at risk. And when you find those people who are at risk, you said there are people who are intermittently lonely and then people who are chronically lonely. What are the channels that those two people go or two groups go into? Either way, whether if someone's lonely, we, 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 in, we intervene with the human beings, right? And then so when the Andes get involved, if, if uh, they will do the screening to see if someone is chronically lonely, and if so, we'll put them in an eight-week program that we call Thrive. But let's say someone's intermittently lonely and they don't need that kind of like um, constant uh, interaction. They, they, can, they can still call the Andes anytime. And the Andes will reach out to them if the algorithm kicks out that they're not doing well, right? But there's all kinds of stuff to do inside the platform. That's self-management. Um, we have a cool feature called Pix Pets. Like you can literally build yourself a pet and take care of it, you know, because we know that, that, that there's scientific studies that show taking care of a virtual pet reduces loneliness significantly. And so there's all kinds of things you can do inside the platform, but, but when you're chronically lonely, you cannot move through it without the human connection. You just can't. And then I'd imagine everything in your life would falter from there. You're not going, like you said, you're not going to be your best self at work. You're not going to be your best self at home. You're not going to be the best parent, spouse, partner, whatever. You're not going to potentially adhere to other medical appointments for preventive care or maintenance medications. I mean, it just seems like the ripple effect is continuous with this. That was Riley's experience, right? And that's the experience for most people is that when you are there and you can't see your way out of it, it, uh, you're right. You stop taking your meds. You don't think that anything can help you. You stop reaching out to your friends. You know, there's all kinds of, like, like you said, a ripple effect. And then we can talk about all of the horrible things that happen in the workplace, right? You, um, 45% of workers that are lonely have significantly reduced productivity than a non-lonely. I mean, it's not rocket science, right? Uh, lonely workers have two times as many mental health days than a non-lonely worker. And they, they estimate that lonely walk- workers cost 4,200 dollars more a year than a non-lonely worker. So, you know, again, this isn't rocket science. I don't ever think that, I don't think our understanding the problem is the problem, right? People get it. They know people are lonely. They know they need to think about it. They know they have to do something about it, but finding them and addressing it is where people, I think employers get stuck. Does it get lumped into depression a lot? I mean, we're not a mental health 
platform, right? Where when I think of mental health platforms, and I bet you've used some of them, Stephanie, and, and from your past experience, like I call them reach-ins, right? There's videos you can watch, there's articles you can read, there's a journal that you can write into. We, but you have to be self-aware enough to say, gosh, I need this. So therefore I will go here and get it and get myself help. We're completely opposite. Like we reach out to the lonely members. We engage them. We are constantly moving them through. We don't let them, we don't throw them into a library of resources and say, figure it out. Right. Um, and I think that that's one of the differences in, in, in kind of where we get put, put into. We're not, we're not a wellness app that has a bunch of content. We're actually a bunch of humans that are do that are providing companionship and positive psychology to lonely people. How many touch points do you have with them once you've identified? Is it like an immediate, how does that work? Do they have an immediate call? Do they, does somebody call them on their cell phone or do they try to set up something? How does all that work? Yeah, we'll call them on their cell phone. And we, and we have a policy that um, if there's, you know, if we find people inside the platform, you have 24 hours, we're a seven day a week operation. We're, you know, not 24 seven quite yet, but we're on all coasts. And so we, we have very long hours. Um, but once we find them, we put them into, um, as I mentioned, it's eight weeks and we schedule regular interactions so that the person who's suffering from loneliness, they, they know that Steph, I'm going to talk to Stephanie Wednesday at three o'clock. Right. And that is critically important in, in moving them through it. It seems like your whole company is probably the culture of your company is probably just filled with the most caring people who I feel like they're probably out on the street. Like, can I help you? Do you need something? Because you have to be you know, to help people in the way that you guys are, which is a profound way to help people, you really have to be invested in other humans. And it's just such an amazing legacy to, to leave and such a cool career for these people to have. You hit it right on. Like the people that are drawn to do this work have generally lived the experience themselves. So think of it as kind of a peer model. Um, they have a deep seated we don't teach this, right? It's not our, you know, it's not like we say, oh, you come here, so you need this. They come here because they have it. They have a deep-seated need to help. Um, and it is so, it literally feeds your soul. I mean, I could tell you success story after success story. You know, one of the most recent is we had this almost 80-year-old woman who who what, lost her husband and was struggling and struggling and struggling. And she got an Andy and she said that, you know, it, like basically in her words that Andy saved her life, right? That she was so lonely. She had a, she has kids. She could have called them, but there was a stigma about reaching out to her children for this kind of help. Right. Um, so yeah, we, we, our culture is really important to us. You know, there, it's, it's not, it, it is our beliefs and then our beliefs inform our behaviors and this is our culture. And then the behaviors inform our outcomes. And one of our core beliefs is, human connection first. That is so amazing. So I guess I'll end this on just a final, what is your, you know, your bigger vision when you retire and Pix is living on and helping all the lonely people of the world, no one is lonely anymore. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? I mean, just because it's pretty raw for me, I'd love to just even if we just find a, one family that we can stop from 
having to feel the kind of grief that we did and over, um, then, then I will feel like not only did, did I do my part, but that Riley, you know, we, we left an amazing legacy for Riley. Um, and truthfully, uh, one of the, one of the things I would love to see happen before I retire and go sit on a beach is, um, I would love for loneliness to be a billable, treatable condition. And this is very important to me because you know, healthcare follows the money. So there is no, we can, we can identify it with science. There should be no reason why we don't, you know, incent health plans and providers to actually treat it. Absolutely. I totally agree. I have no doubt that you're going to accomplish that. You're clearly passionate about this and doing amazing work. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing the story of PIX Health and how you guys are helping people. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. And uh, I really, honestly, I appreciate your time today. Of course. Thank you. And thank you all for watching. Bye-bye.